I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, January 5th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So Jay, some big news coming out of California. Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four counts of fraud and conspiracy. Holmes said that she never knowingly lied about Theranos technology, but the jury, they disagreed, and they think that she made some knowingly false statements to investors. Now she faces a maximum of 20 years in prison for each charge, but it's a white-collar crime, so let's be honest, she's not going to get that. Probably not, but on your advice, I got the book, it got delivered yesterday, and I'm going to start reading it today, and I'll come back to you uh, with a book report in in fast fashion. But I did already learn a life lesson. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it, Jay. Even being a little prick can land you in prison. It's a good one, and you landed it, and so I thought it was, you know, it's pretty good. You know, by the way, speaking of fraudsters, and again, I'm I'm using air quotes here because it's alleged fraudsters. Adam Newman of WeWork fame, he's also back in the news too because he is now starting a company which is trying to make being a landlord cool. He owns over a thousand apartment units, and he's trying to brand them all into something that's not just an apartment unit. And you know what they're going to put in every single unit? What? Theranos device. Yeah, a Theranos device and like a beer keg. There we go. Brett, aside from trying to assess what prison life will be like for Elizabeth Holmes, what do we have for Peak Bows today? For our first story, the biggest unicorn. For our second story, take the L. And for our third story, more electric vehicles. For our first story, Apple became the first $3 trillion company on Monday. Brett, $3 trillion is a lot of money and a lot of Theranos devices as well. Can you walk the Peak Pals through how the computer giant got to $3 trillion? Sure, but before I do, I want to put into perspective how incredible this all is. So it took two decades for Apple to hit $1 trillion, and that made them the biggest company in the world at the time, and just four years to hit $3 trillion. Now, in terms of how they did this, there are really two big factors. So the first is that there is a massive demand for electronics these past two years, and Apple was one among few companies to effectively navigate supply chain issues, meaning that you could buy an iPhone at any time during the pandemic. There were no big issues there. The second factor is, the revenue they were able to generate from services businesses like the App Store. So for example, with the App Store, Apple takes a 30% cut of every transaction that occurs uh, through one of their apps. And that revenue is basically 100% margin and quadrupled in 2021. And where does Ted Lasso come into all of this, Brett? Well, Ted Lasso, Apple TV is a high margin product for them. So that's like one of these other services businesses. I agree. And analysts think it's got room to grow even, Brett. Of the 45 analysts who cover the stock, 35 rated it a buy and only two rated it a sell. A lot of that can be attributed to the growth of Apple's services revenue, like the App Store, like musical streaming, not musical streaming, just music streaming, TV and fitness. But Brett, Apple's $3 trillion valuation, is it as great as it appears? Or this is another inflation story? I don't know. It's pretty good. I guess it had $3 trillion valuation, but it does put a mark on them. It's obviously a huge accomplishment to hit that mark. But, you know, there is risk associated with it. When you're the largest company in the world, you're a target for litigation from competitors and other companies. That's what's going on right now with Apple and Epic Games over the App Store. You're a target for more regulation. You can see there's a number of jurisdictions now that are evaluating whether the App Store is fair. And then there's also more scrutiny on their antitrust practices or they're using their size to crowd out competition. Plus, you have to stay innovative. You have to keep on creating new products that make you competitive with everyone else. So look, it's an incredible accomplishment. We'll have to see if it lasts. For our second story, Canada took an L in the first ever ruling by a USMCA panel. Jay, this could be a rough result for Canada's dairy farmers. What's going on? Well, first of all, my favorite MCA, rest his soul, 
is uh, MCA from the Beastie Boys, but this is not about that. This is about milk. The U.S. submitted a complaint about Canada's dairy supply management system. And for background, the supply management restricts foreign competitors selling dairy into Canada with high tariffs, except on a limited number of products, which also happen to carry a duty. So the Americans claim that this is in violation of Canada's agreement with the U.S. via the USMCA trade agreement negotiated with the last president, President Trump. The ruling from the USMCA tribunal, by the way, each country calls this a different thing. They just put their country at the start. So if you look at the Canadian officials, they say it's the COSMA, and then the American ones say it's the USMCA. But the tribunal means that Canada will have to adjust their dairy supply management program to increase access to foreign competitors. Now, international trade lawyers say this could be a massive opportunity for American farmers and especially problematic for Canadian ones. But Trade Minister Marianne did stress that she was pleased that the tribunal only sided with the U.S. on this one issue, and they dismissed a number of other complaints with Canada's supply management program. So there's, a for them, a silver lining to all of this. But Jay, what is next in this dispute? Well, I am firmly on team Canadian milk, just so you know. But Canada will now have to evaluate the ruling and adjust Canada's dairy policy to accommodate for more American dairy products, even though I won't buy them. The supply management program has long been controversial, both inside and outside of Canada, on both sides of the borders, with many Canadians criticizing it for costing consumers more. You remember we did a story about expensive milk last year. So it'll be interesting to see what impacts this has on consumers and trade alike. I didn't know you were so patriotic for our milk. I am. Well, wait till you see how U.S. milk tastes. It's not as good. No For our last story, Volkswagen, which is how I'm going to pronounce it from here on forward, General Motors, GM, and Mercedes are drawing up plans to compete with Tesla. It's about time. But Brett, this is our second EV story in as many days, and it's only January 5th. Definitely, I'm sensing a trend. What have you got for us? Well, there's definitely a trend going on. Electric vehicles are hotter than getting a booster appointment in Ontario, but there are some key hurdles for car makers as they transition to EVs. These include sourcing raw materials for batteries, like lithium and nickel, we hear all about that. And it's also uh, challenging to develop models that have a long enough range. In the past, Tesla has been the leader on both these fronts, but now other automakers are drawing up their plans to take on Elon Musk. At GM and Volkswagen have begun securing supplies of key EV battery ingredients. Now, both car makers are working on sourcing their own materials and building their own facilities to create their own battery supply chains, which sounds like a pretty good idea. Mercedes-Benz is also building eight EV battery factories and announced a concept car that rivals Tesla's Model S. The Model S has a range of 405 miles per charge, the highest on the market. Mercedes said its concept car boasts a 621 mile per charge charge and consumes around half of the energy of the Model S. So Brett, why should PayPal's care about the electric vehicle wars going on? Yeah, it really is a war, and it's probably a good thing for us and the environment. Carmakers are learning on the fly how to best scale up to accommodate the surge in demand for electric vehicles, which is really good, because if we want to transition away from gas-powered vehicles and reduce emissions overall, we're going to need a number of highly competitive and advanced electric automakers, including you know Chinese outfits and European ones and North American ones, and so it's good that everyone is stepping up their game. I think we'll find a Norway to do it. See, that's a good joke. Pete Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast in your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. I'm going to start shopping for an EV right now.